We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. Well, come on, Substance. Make some noise if you are alive and awake. Labor Day weekend. Come on. Want to welcome in downtown Westside Online Campus. We just love you. What an honor to get to do church together. If we have not met, my name is Drew. I have the honor of serving here at Substance as the downtown Minneapolis campus pastor. Also get the joy of serving our, on our teaching team here. So hey, before we go any further, I just want to pause and thank God for our pastors. You know, it's one thing to have some guest preachers every once in a while give thanks. But take it for, from somebody who's been around Substance for a long time, y'all. My first Sunday was 2005. That's like 50 years ago or something like that. It's crazy, right? Um, 2005, I was a junior in college, just a messed up kid trying to figure out life. And I went to this weird church with a weird name on a college campus. And the last 17 years, in some way, shape, or form, I've been around and in Substance Church. I literally served in every ministry. What's up, Daddy Loden, 2012. Like, it was just so fun. Every campus I've been a part of. And I've been, the last eight years, have been privileged to be on staff. I've sat in meetings, right? I've sat in brainstorm sessions. I've walked through church trauma and pain and transition and change. And I can just tell you, with, with every ounce of integrity that I have, y'all, we are so well led in this church. We're led with humility. We're led with faithfulness and genuine hunger for God that I have not experienced anywhere else. So we just give it up for our pastors, Peter and Carolyn Haas, this morning. I'm just so grateful for them. They are getting some much-deserved rest this weekend over Labor Day weekend. I did talk to Pastor Peter this morning. He said, hey, Drew, tell him I love him. And when Pastor Peter says he loves you, he means it with every ounce of him. So they're getting vacation, and we are here together in church on a Sunday morning. Um, Hey, really quickly, I want to start with a question this morning. Hands nice and high in the air. If you've ever been through an awkward season of life, like we've all been there. Some of you, you're in it right now. We see you, okay? You're in that awkward season right now. We've all been there, right? Now, if you've ever been in the same room with me in proximity, you'll know something about me. I'm tall, right? I'm both, I go about 6'9". I'm, I'm a big guy, okay? Um, I love being tall. A lot of cool perks and advantages. If you think I'm a cool, tall, confident guy right now, let me educate you for just a minute on middle school Drew. Buckle up, man. It was rough, okay? Uh, middle school Drew. So, uh, picture this, over the course of 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I grew like 8 inches. Like I, sh- I literally showed up my freshman year of high school, I was like 6'8". Right? Now if you're thinking to yourself, man, that'd be so cool, you, my friend, would be wrong. <laughs> right? um, I was always a pretty skinny kid. I think I grew 8 inches and literally lost weight, if that's possible. Right? I was like all legs and arms, like limbs, just like a stiff breeze would blow me right over, man. It was wild. This is one time I was uh, in my buddy's bedroom walked in, there was a quick like whack, whack, whack. I was like, blinding pain, the ceiling fan, y'all. I got, I got assaulted by a ceiling fan, right? See, what happens when you grow at eight inches in two and a half years is it takes your brain a bit to catch up with what your body's doing, okay? Like, my, my brain just wasn't there. How about this? Um, uh, when you, uh, to make matters more awkward, um, remember the bowl haircut, like straight across all the way around? I thought it'd be cool to add a sweet middle part to the bull haircut, right? Remember the middle part right down the middle to this? Oh, it's bad. Uh, if you're older than about 30 in the room, didn't experience that, just be grateful, okay? Uh, to make matters more worse, um, fashion, okay? Oh, my. Fashion for tall people is always rough. 
Turns out if you're over 6'2 in the 90s, right, the big and tall section was limited to pleated khakis and Hawaiian shirts, right? Literally, literally it's all there was in the big and, I don't know why, it's all there was. And then to top it all off, puberty. Thank you so much for puberty, God. I have questions for God when I get to heaven. One of them was like, puberty? Really? As if 14-year-old boys don't have enough to be nervous about, now I gotta worry about my voice cracking in my seventh grade geography presentation about the Rocky Mountains in Mr. Deer's class. Not that that happens, okay? Very specifically, I'm over it, I'm fine, lots of counseling. But you add it all up, right? Add it all up, puberty, tough haircut, Hawaiian shirt, okay? Random ceiling fan attacks. Y'all, that was some rough years, okay? I'll be honest, I was gonna bring a picture, but I'm a man of pride dignity, so you have to ask me later, okay? But uh, I'm telling you, it was rough, okay? I so wish I could go back to 14-year-old Drew and say, hey man, it's gonna be all right, you'll figure it out, you'll grow into your body, your voice will be fine, fashion for tall people will eventually be a thing, like you're gonna be good, okay? I so wish I could go back and tell myself that. Um, here's why I'm telling you this. For some of us this weekend in church, whether you're online, at a campus, west side, downtown, wherever you're at this weekend, in the room here at Northtown, my middle school awkwardness is a metaphor for your life right now. It's your marriage, your family, your job, your mental health, maybe it's an addiction. Let's keep it real. We all have painful, awkward, difficult seasons that we would rather forget. And again, some of you, you're in it right now. So the question is not, will we have these crazy, awkward, painful seasons? The question we have to ask this weekend at church is, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? God, how do you see these painful, awkward seasons of our lives? There's this really cool story in Luke chapter 22 where Jesus is talking to his buddy Peter, and he says this. He says, Simon, Simon, Peter was also known as Simon, okay? Satan has asked for you to sift you as wheat. Okay, because you're not all wheat farmers in church this weekend, let me explain that for you, okay? The way that they would take wheat, they would harvest wheat, okay? And the way they had to, they had to separate the edible part of that wheat from the husk and the shell, basically the, the useless part of that wheat, okay? So the way they would do that, they would spread that wheat out all over the floor, they called it the threshing floor, and they would literally just pound it, beat it to a pulp, pulverize it, right? Crush it, and then shake it violently so that the, the husk and shell would kind of fall away and all that was left was the edible, good, fruitful part of that wheat, okay? Shaking, pounding, right? Shaking and pounding. For some of you, again, I just described your life right now, shaking and pounding. So you could see why when Jesus says, hey, Peter, the devil's asked for you, he wants to sift you, that might cause some anxiety for dear old Peter. That might cause a little trepidation. He might be saying, well, doesn't sound like a true and precious promise for my life, right? Look how Jesus responds. Our, our, our cute and cuddly Jesus, right, that we've created would probably say, but don't worry, Peter, I'll save you. I told the devil he couldn't have you. I got you. What does he actually say? Praying for you. <laughs> and when I read that, I was like, did Jesus just thoughts and prayers, Peter? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the typical Christian response, like, Oh man, that sounds so hard. I'm oh, praying for you, right? It's kind of the thing that we say when we don't know what else to say as Christians, right? Hey, thoughts and prayers, man. Facebook comments, thoughts and prayers, send. Wow, that sounds terrible, right? It's kind of what we do as believers when we don't know what to do, thoughts and prayers, right? So did Jesus actually thoughts and prayers, Peter? Of course not. Let's see the whole context. But I'm praying for you, Simon. 
that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. When you've turned back, you're gonna strengthen your brothers. Check that, I love this. In other words, Jesus says to Peter, bro, not gonna lie, you're gonna go through some stuff. You've got a sifting season coming into your life. You're gonna feel a little battered, you might feel a little pulverized, but listen, I'm gonna use it. I've got your back. Not only am I gonna use it to change your life, I'm gonna use it to change the people around you, to strengthen your brothers. You're gonna come back from this season with a new outlook on life, a new strength, a new trust, a refreshed faith. I'm gonna use it in your life. And I believe that God brought you to church today, not because you don't have a cabin to go to on Labor Day, because he wants to tweak your thinking today in how do we navigate these sifting seasons that we all will ultimately go through. Again, some of you are in it right now. And here is why this is so incredibly important. We all know people, maybe you're sitting in the room today, this is you, who have found themselves in a sifting season and didn't survive the test. Now, if we aren't careful, a sifting season can become a 10, 20, even 30-year detour that ends up costing us our careers, our families, our marriages, our kids, our personal health, you name it. In the last two years, my word, are littered with countless examples of this. All over the place are stories of broken families, abandoned dreams and callings, and people who have just generally given up. So today, we're gonna take a look at the Exodus story, and we're gonna learn some supernatural advantages, and when we go through a sifting season, how can we navigate and come out on the other side, not as victims, but as victors, amen? So this Exodus story, here's the backstory. The people of God are in slavery for hundreds of years. Hard labor, being mistreated, it's terrible. But God has given them this promise of this land he's gonna bring them to and give to them. It's called the promised land. Look how God describes it here in Deuteronomy chapter eight. I love this. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and the hills. I love that. My family and I, we were just up at the south shore of Lake Superior and water, just something about water that's so peaceful and so wonderful. It's, it's a land of plenty, right? Of uh, land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, olive trees, honey. I don't even like olives and I want an olive tree now. Like I, 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 that sounds so good to me. I love this. How about this? A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. Come on, carbohydrate crew. Who's with me on that one? Let's go. I love it. And if you are gluten-free in this room, I am so sorry. The rest of us, we're going to go eat cinnamon rolls after this, after, this, after this service. We're going to pour some frosting out for our keto homies, and it'll be an amazing time, okay? It's going to be so good, okay? Um, who, a, a land in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron. The land is strong. It's stable. It's steadfast. Out of whose hills you can dig copper. There's value in the land. I'm bringing you into a place that's strong and plentiful. There's value there. This is what I have for you shall eat and you shall be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Sign me up for that. Anybody else? This is a good anybody else. That sounds so good. That's awesome. Right? I want to ask you today, what's your promised land? What are the things that God has promised to you? What are the things that you believe God has called you to? What are the things that you believe God has for you in this life? We all have something. 
So God supernaturally delivers his people out of Egypt, right? And he's going to bring them to the promised land. They've got to travel from Egypt to this land God has promised. Little did they know it would take them almost four, 40 years of awkwardness, of difficulty, and of pain, right? For so many years. But it didn't have to be that way. Listen, it actually didn't have to be that way. Most scholars believe the journey could have been made in around two, maybe three weeks. Not, not months, not years, not even decades. Two to three weeks. So how do you get from two to three weeks to 40 years? And then I, I, just, I look at that story, I, mean, I just think about what if they had trusted God more? What if they had taken God at his word and walked in, don't get me wrong, they went through some crazy stuff. Think about it. About 15 minutes after they left Egypt, Pharaoh's like, nah, bro, I made a mistake. Go get him. Sends his entire army right after the Israelites. And if it weren't for some supernatural intervention through Moses at the Red Sea, parting those waves, right, their journey would have been over before it started, okay? How about this? Food and water shortages. Crazy, right? Turns out when you're wandering the desert, there's not a Chipotle on every block. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? Sounds terrible, right? Water supply. Now, God did feed them. He gave them manna and quail. But can you imagine eating the same thing over and over and over and over again? It'd be crazy for years on end, okay? They faced fights and quarrels and idolatry and disobedience among the people because people are crazy, Amen? Well, what you thought people got nuts in 2020, we've always been nuts, y'all. People are crazy, right? People are crazy. The Bible says they were constantly harassed by snakes and scorpions. That's a big note for me, dog. No thank you, okay? In the middle of all of that, okay, the constant anxiety of the unknown. Sometimes they would stay and camp in the same place for weeks on end, and sometimes they would literally wake up, pack their entire families up, all their belongings and move to the next place just to unpack and stay there, okay? My family and I went on a 10-day road trip a couple months ago, barely survived, right? Um, that was the six of us. We had iPads, we had books, air conditioning, and an actual vehicle, okay? Right, think about it. A million people walking for 40 years in the desert, right? Y'all, there was no Google Maps. There was no Waze. There was no Apple Maps, whatever you used, right? They were there wandering the desert. Actually put yourself there. I think sometimes we get so familiar with these stories that we forget what was it like to be in that place. It had to have been pretty discombobulating, pretty frustrating, and at times probably downright infuriating, right? And again, for some of you, I just described your life right now. You had everything figured out. Everything was going awesome. God was moving, and then it all fell apart. So the Israelites have come through this harrowing experience. They're about to enter the promised land, and God says, okay, guys, family meeting time. He sits them all down. He basically goes on this kind of this speech about, hey, just so you know, here's what was going on for those 40 years. Like, here's what I was trying to do in your life during that time, right? Pick it up in Deuteronomy 8. Just so you know, God is always up to something. There's always something going on behind the scenes. What does God say? It says this, remember, keyword, remember. Remember how the Lord, your God, led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, okay? To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, okay? Keep reading. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, 
and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but listen, on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell up during those 40 years. There's a lot going on here. So with the remaining time today, I want to kind of just pull out three really practical truths that I believe are going to be a supernatural advantage for us as we navigate our sifting seasons, as we navigate life. God, what are you doing in the difficult seasons of my life? Number one, y'all, we got to refocus our thinking. We gotta think differently about these seasons of life. When the pain is high, okay, when the sifting season shows up, right, it's so easy to have a selective memory, isn't it? It's so easy to become hyper-focused on all the hard things. We completely lose sight of what God has already done and what God is currently doing. God is saying, remember, I fed you, I provided for you, I led you all the way, not halfway, Not three quarters of the way, I led you all the way. Your feet didn't swell up. Your clothes didn't wear out. Don't get so fixated on what is wrong that we miss what God has already done, amen? One of the many things our pastor has always taught us, and I so love this, is this idea that feelings follow focus. Feelings follow focus. In 1971, a team of psychology researchers at Stanford took a group of students and divided them into two groups, right? The prisoners and the prison guards, okay? Remember, it's an experiment, all students, prisoners and prison guards, in an experiment that would later be known as the Stanford Prison Experiment, kind of a famous study in psychology, right? This is is crazy. Essentially, they planned a two-week experience where the guards would have authority over the prisoners, okay? So think about it. College students, two groups, two weeks. Let's see how this goes. Over the first few days already, the guards quickly developed authoritarian attitudes and began subjecting the prisoners to intentional humiliation and borderline abuse, okay? Two days in. Okay, the prisoners developed in different ways, many actually sinking into a depressed state. Get this, guards actually began separating prisoners and rewarding prisoners who showed good behavior with amenities like clothing, better beds, and better food, right? Now, the separation created factions in, in, the, in the prisoners, right? Crazy. So the, the bad prisoners saw the good prisoners as snitches, right? The, 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 good pris- or the, bad pr- or the good prisoners saw the bad prisoners as disrupting the status quo, and factions formed. One prisoner literally had a mental breakdown right in the middle. Six days in, they called it off. Six days in, they called it off because of what, what it was doing. Some of the students need to be reminded that, hey, you are, in fact, a student, not a prisoner, You are a student, not a prison guard. This is crazy, right? In fact, later on, the ethics of this study were called into question because of the long-lasting effects it had on these students, okay? Now, keep in mind, the guards were not actually guards. The prisoners were not actually prisoners. They were volunteers. The purpose of this entire experiment from the beginning was to underline the power of social roles in shaping behavior. But what it also did is it proved the point that behavior can shape our emotions in a powerful way. Powerful way. As they begin to act out those parts, they also begin to experience the emotions of those parts in those roles. They had to be convinced, you're not a prisoner. Six days in, right? Now, if this is true in an incredibly negative way, do not try this at home, right? Please don't try this at home. 
It's also true in an incredibly powerful and positive way. This underlines what we know to be true is that feelings follow focus. So when you're in a season of pain and a season of pressure and a season of sifting, we don't wait for our feelings to feel like it. We behave our way into a new way of feeling. We lead with our actions. Very rarely in this life do we get to choose what happens to us. I mean, the last two years have been a masterclass in things happening to us outside of our control. Rarely do we get to decide what happens to us. But listen, church, we always get to decide how we respond. We always get to decide what we focus on. And can I just say, I believe this is why church attendance is so critical to our survival. I mean, as we go through our weeks in our workplaces, in our colleges, universities, wherever you find yourself, it's, it's hard. Let's be honest. The world is crazy, and it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be crazy. That's why we gather on Sunday. We gather and we lift up our voices and we praise one name, and his name is Jesus, the one who is above all things. We lift our focus. We lift our gaze. We fix our minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. We need to walk together through this, okay? So can I just invite you, as one of your pastors, make church attendance a priority this fall? It's not about attendance numbers, heck no. It's about doing life together. We need, we cannot let this, the gathering, get crowded out. You are too busy not to gather and not to lift our focus, amen? amen. We will start thinking weirdly. We will start thinking wrongly. Let's gather, let's sing, let's hear God's word. Let's let, let's let, let's let God's word seep down into our very souls every single week. Let's refocus our thinking, amen? Our pastor just took us through several brilliant weeks on the three most important relationships, God's word, God's church, God's spirit. Let's do it together, y'all. Let's watch what God does, okay? So number one, refocus your thinking. Number two, okay, we gotta trust the best is yet to come. God's best for you is yet to come to pass. I promise you, there's this crazy scene right, in Numbers, the Israelites, they're in the desert, they're right in the middle of these 40 years, sitting around a campfire, complaining, right, just, ah, if only we had meat to eat, oh, this quail, right, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, oh, the garlic, the garlic, right, but now we've lost our appetite, all we ever eat or see is anything but this manna, 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 oh, you mean the free fish you had while you were in slavery? That free fish? Oh, the garlic was good, awesome. What about when you were being whipped, right? Don't let the pain of your sifting season pull you back into something that God is trying to deliver you from, right? Don't let the pain of that season make you look back and say, I wanna go back there, that was better. No, God has more for your life. Don't let the pain pull you let the pain propel you into what God has for you next. God always has more for us. I fully believe the reason so many people don't make it through a sifting season is that we just don't have vision for what our lives could look like. We don't believe that what God has for us in the future is actually better than what we have right now. Listen, if there is breath in your lungs today, God's not done with you. He's got more for you. The best is yet to come, and even when they got to the promised land, there was giants. They had to fight for it. God wants you to fight for his future for you. God wants you to actively engage and move 
forward. I remember our, one of my favorite sound checks of all time at, at Historic Wesley. We planted Historic Wesley about eight years ago as a campus. God's doing amazing things there. But y'all, it was a journey. I mean, that building in so many ways is a literal miracle, a literal promised land for our church. It's incredible what God is doing. But one day sticks out in particular. Um, it's a, it's my, probably the most memorable sound check in, in substance history. I mean, if you guys know Angie King, Leading worship today at our Northtown campus. She's the wife of Pastor Chad King here at the Northtown campus. A voice like a literal angel. It's amazing. Well, that Sunday, she was actually leading worship at the downtown campus. Um, again, like I said, a voice like an angel. On that day, she made a different noise. Maybe the, like the angel of death. Maybe that was better. It was, it was like this, it was like, I was in the green room getting ready for the morning, and there was this like blood-curdling scream. I was like, what is happening? So I sprint out into the auditorium, and, and down the, the entire worship team, is literally laying on the ground with their heads covered, bats just circling and like literally <laughs> circling the dome, dive bombing the stage. If you're in Wesley right now, there's no more bats. We're good. Like, don't look around. We took care of the bats. Everything's fine, right? But literally, bats flying, dive bombing. And I say the entire worship team was on the floor. Um, actually, Angie was not on the floor. She was running, screaming down Nicolette Avenue by that point. I think it was <laughs> probably the least weird thing that happened in downtown that morning, by the way. But so here we are in downtown Minneapolis, bats dive bombing. And listen, if you thought pastoral ministry was a prestigious, glamorous occupation, let me tell you about Pastor Justin Griman running around the Wesley Auditorium with a broom and a mop, wildly swinging, sweat pouring down his face, trying to kill these darn bats. And I'll be honest, that was a discouraging, frustrating moment. Can I just tell you, sometimes your promised land might have bats in it. Like, what if it did? I mean, those, were, those days, we, we had no air conditioning. It was about 105 degrees. Sometimes your promised land, the AC might be broken. As you reach your promised land, it might not look the way that you think it should. The journey there will probably be harder than you think it will be. But God's going to lead you. God's going to provide for you. God's going to make I'm so glad we didn't give up. Right? The, the worship environment in downtown has gone from dodging bats to experiencing the presence of God every single Sunday. It's amazing. Right? We put the air conditioning in, now we're nice and cool. doesn't matter, we're in the parking lot sweating anyway because we're serving our city. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, I'm so glad we didn't let that and a hundred other small little things deter us from where God was taking us. Right? There could be bats, there could be heat, but listen to me, God does have a promise. God is faithful to deliver. Listen, point three, he just wants to make sure that before you possess the promise, the promise doesn't possess you, right? So refocus your thinking, trust the best is yet to come, and we gotta check our hearts. We gotta check our hearts, right? Because here's the deal, man. Look back to this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? To humble, to test you, right? Why? To know what was in your hearts. Something about a sifting season, something about pressure and pain that causes what's really inside of us to kind of come out to the surface, right? Things like anxiety, insecurity, entitlement, self-centeredness, fear, those things that are pretty easy to hide when things are good. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed, I'm blessed, awesome. Now nah, you're a liar, right? Because things are hard and they're difficult and I'm struggling. I fought with my wife on the way to church today. Right? We're not doing well in our home. I'm in financial debt. I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to get out of it. Like we're, we're struggling. Things are hard. And when a sifting season hits, 
These things that are in us come out. In fact, I believe a sifting season is uniquely designed to bring those things to the surface, okay? More often than not, I fully believe that God is way less concerned with where he is taking you, your destination, and he's much more interested in who he's making you. Way less concerned with where he's taking you. He knows, he has a promised land. He's way more interested in who are we becoming in the meantime. When we reach that promised land, who will we be? Does our heart have the structural integrity to withstand the weight of the blessing God wants to pour into our lives? And why is this such a big deal? Well, here's why. Otherwise, we're gonna get that promise and say to ourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I did it. I built it. I made it happen. Me, me, me. Did you work hard? Yes. Are you a skilled person? Yes. Did you make part of this happen? Probably. But at the end of the day, we serve a God who wants to bless you, who wants to promote you. He wants to use you in this world, right, to be an example of his kindness and his grace and his favor. He just wants to know that when he blesses us, that when he promotes us, we're going to use it all to point right back to him. Right back. That's the entire goal of this life. So we got to check our hearts. As this stuff comes up, what's in there? We have two choices. We can push it back down into the darkness, or we can let it out. We can get ourselves in proximity with people. That's why we're talking about small groups constantly, right? Not to build a small group empire, but we need each other. Can I just be honest? You have blind spots. If you can't see them, that's the whole idea. It's a blind spot, right? I have them, you have them. We need people in our lives that are close enough to see our blind spots and lovingly call us out. Otherwise, we're not gonna grow. In fact, one week from today in our church, September 11th, we are launching a whole new menu of incredible small groups. I mean, Alpha, Freedom, Connect Groups, Bible Studies. There is something here for every person in every season of life. Do not fall into the trap of thinking, I'm too busy for a small group. My friend, you are too busy not to be in a small group. There is too much at stake in our lives, in our callings, for what God wants to do in this city, in Minneapolis, in Spring Lake Park, in Maple Grove, and he wants to use us to do it. So let's get healed, let's get whole, get in counseling, okay? Get in therapy, let's deal with our issues so God can use us in this world, amen? And back to Peter, look what happened to Peter. Jesus said, hey, Peter, sifting's coming, right? Sifting's coming, Peter's like, okay, cool. What did he do? Three chances, failed all three of them denied his friend Jesus the time he needed him the most. Three chances, 0 for 1, 0 for 2, 0 for 3. And what was God's response? What was Jesus' response? Hey man, come, come on back, feed my sheep. God's so faithful. He's so faithful when we're not. He's so good when we're not. He's amazing. So Peter goes on to literally be the man who brings the gospel to the entire Gentile population. I don't believe Peter's failure disqualified him. In fact, I believe Peter's failure, failure uniquely qualified him for the call of God on his life. Right? God is so faithful. He's so faithful. I'm going to end with a story to kind of pull all this together. Uh, many of you know bits and pieces of my story. Uh, I played Division II college basketball many years ago. That whole tall thing, being awkward, it all ended up working out okay. Right? I found my coordination, got a college scholarship. It was awesome. Um, I would have looked you in the eye back in that day and said, man, the purpose that God has for my life is to play basketball. I was put on this earth to play basketball. 
I'm all through high school, my freshman year. It was amazing. Um, I was really good, y'all. I, I, I had a lot of success. Um, I love the idea of the lights being on me, being able to perform at a high level, of hearing the crowd go insane because of something that I did. It was thrilling to see my name in lights and my picture in the paper. Towards the end of my freshman year of college, I cracked the starting five um, for my college team. So things were going exactly according to plan until very suddenly they weren't. I woke up one morning in August, right before my sophomore year, my second year of college, and my right arm was swollen so big, I literally couldn't bend my elbow. My fingers were fat, I couldn't bend my fingers. Needless to say, man, I was freaked out. So I went and talked to my, my head trainer. He called the hospital. About 12 hours later, I was laying in the intensive care unit of the Mayo Clinic wondering, man, is this it? Like, is, is this how my life actually ends? Crazy, it was crazy. Long story short, turns out I had a blood clot in my shoulder. And because of the way my shoulder was put together, every time I would lift my elbow above my shoulder, it would pinch off a vein here in my shoulder between a muscle and a bone. So think about it. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years, hundreds of basketball games of going above my head over and over. And you gotta catch this, this is so significant. The very thing that I thought was giving me life was literally killing me from the inside out. The very thing I would have told you God placed me on this earth to do, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally, I was just wasting away from the inside out. Why? Because I'd made it all about me, my power, my strength, my hands, right? I made this happen. I, love, I loved me some me. And I would love to tell you that that was a time where God got my attention, yeah, and I, and I refocused my thinking, and I checked my heart, and I trusted God. Nope, not even a little bit. I was so fixated on what I perceived that I had lost. I was, so, I was begging God, God, just heal me and restore me, and let me go back to be the player. I wanna go back. Instead, a three-week hospital stay, season-ending surgery, basketball dreams gone. It was devastating. In that moment, I didn't realize that God was trying to use the pain of that moment to access my heart. Because he had dreams for me that I was nowhere near ready to, to shoulder or to carry. Where would I go? I went to prescription pain pills and alcohol instead. I, wanted to just, I just wanted to feel nothing. I just wanted to feel better. I prayed and I begged, God, God, would you sin? Would you heal me? Would you restore me? Instead, what did he do? He sent people. I'm an introvert, I hate people. I'm a pastor, I love people, but man, people are annoying sometimes, right? Like, so he sent me a teammate who, who will become my best friend in the world. To this day, he's my, one of my best friends in the world. He lovingly confronted me, told me, hey, God has more for your life, Drew. This is not all there is. He sent me a pastor to mentor me, to coach me, the same pastor who is now my father-in-law. I think God doesn't know what he's doing, right? I've always had praying parents. My parents prayed for me. I cannot believe that they stuck with me. Listen, y'all, never bet against a praying mom. Just don't do it, right? It was, they prayed for me. I, God sent me people into my life. And so instead of prescription pain and pain pills and alcohol, I gave my life to God in a brand new way, right? I sensed the call to ministry on my life. I came to a service at a weird portable church with a weird name with a pastor who talked fast and the rest was history, right? God used it. It's not a stretch to say, y'all, that every good thing in my life, my marriage, my kids, the ministry God has given us here at Substance, even the strength and foundation of my faith can find its foundation in that painful season of my life. 
that sifting season, as hard as it was, as awkward as it was, as painful as it was, changed everything for us. And I believe it can change everything for you this weekend. God is faithful. So let's refocus our thinking. Let's plant ourselves in the church. Let's get into corporate worship. Come to First Wednesday this week. Let's lift our gaze. Let's focus on things above, not on things here. Okay, God has more. Trust. If there is breath in your lungs today, God is not done with you. God has more for your life. Get a vision for your future. And finally, y'all, let's check our hearts. Let's allow God to, for, to get us vulnerable. Pastor Peter said it last week, your vulnerability will, will, will ultimately make your transformability. Your vulnerability will transform, sorry, your vulnerability will determine your transformability. Found it, right? Refocused, trust, check your heart, but let's do it together, amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're so faithful, you're so good. God, and right in the middle of the sifting season, in the middle of the pain, whether we find ourselves out of it or in it, you're right there and you're present. So in this moment, we choose to refocus our thinking and fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who leads us all the way through. We choose right now to trust that you have more for our life than what our eyes see in this moment. And we give you our hearts. We give you our anxieties, our insecurities, our emotions, our anger. We give it all to you. And in return, we receive your Holy Spirit. If you're in church this weekend, maybe you're kind of new to this faith thing, you're not really sure, let me just encourage you. God wants to add purpose to your pain this weekend. God wants to give a destiny that's so much bigger and better in your life than what you're currently experiencing. So if you're willing, I'd love to invite you, repeat this prayer after me. Let's all pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for creating me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Today, I give you my life. Would you save me and make me new? In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Man, man, let's do this together. Let's have an amazing fall. Let's watch revival come in our day, amen. I'm gonna invite our campus pastors to come on up. Tell us where we're next. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check in next week for a new message.